you, Sharon. Good morning. Welcome to all of you that are here with us this morning, the visitors that are also with us, and those listening on radio. Thank you for joining us for worship at First Church this morning. Before we start our service, I have several announcements. Today is Veterans Day, and we honor all those who have served and who serve presently. So I ask you keep the uh, men and women of the service in your prayers. The Agape Thanksgiving box food drive ends today, but you can still leave the items in the Heritage Room. Somebody from the church will be delivering them tomorrow morning. Operation Christmas Child boxes are due next Sunday, November 18th, and there will also be a table in the Heritage Room for those. Uh, It's been a custom of First Church that we honor couples in our congregation who celebrate significant wedding anniversaries. And today you'll notice the roses on the altar this morning are in honor of Mike and Lynn McCabe, who will be celebrating 55 years of marriage on Wednesday, November 14th, and also Terry and Becky Houston. The bulletin says 56 years. They... Becky assured me it was 55. Terry wasn't sure, so (laughs) congratulations to both couples. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I encourage you to take the time to look them over. And now to start our service this morning, those who are able, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship? This morning is taken from Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth for the parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put together their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Please remain standing for opening hymn number 88, Fairest Lord Jesus.
as the children come forward for the children's chat. Please take a moment and greet one another. Oh, no. Nobody is awake. Hi, guys. Oh, there we go. How are you all? Good. Well, you know what? I got some fun activities for you guys today, and I need all of your participation. Well, maybe not all, because I don't have that many activities. All right. Mr. Jones, can I have you told that? Take the bag out. And there's marbles in there. There's big, clear ones, and then there's small red ones. I want you to put three small red ones and two big, clear ones in the cup. And then you, Mr. Hoagie, I want you to take that ball. See Miss Tori right there? I want you to gently toss it to Miss Tori, okay? Good job. Um, Leah, come here. All right. I want you to grab the pink marker, and I want you to draw number three on that piece of paper. Good job. Courtney, you want to come here? All right. I want you to grab the green marker, and can you draw a circle on that piece of paper? Good job. All right. Caleb, you're pretty antsy. Do you want to participate too? All right. Do you want to grab the blue marker? blue pen and let's see can you draw a triangle on that piece of paper good job all right now I want everybody to oh do you got your marbles done all right I'll take that back I'll take the bag okay now I want everybody to stand up all right, have you guys ever heard of the game Simon Says? Yeah. All right, so if I say Simon Says and then I tell you something, you have to do it. But if I don't say Simon Says and you do it, you're out, okay? So Simon Says, touch your nose. Simon Says, touch your ears. Simon Says, touch your knees. Sit down. Oh. Okay, you guys can all sit down. Simon says to sit down. <laughs> so what what just happened? So what just happened, you guys? Some of my older ones. What just happened? They went down when they were Well, yeah, but did I tell you something and then you guys listened and did it? Yeah. yeah. You know what? Pastor Joe is going to talk today about listening to our parents. And when our parents say something like picking up your toys or can you go help mom clean up the dishes or can you help dad clean up the toys out in the yard or can you go to your homework for some of my older ones that are in school. And it's all of these things, how you guys just listened, because that's what obeying is, is using our ears to listen, is in using our hearts to be obey. So when we obey, that is how Jesus tells us we should obey our parents and listen to the things that they tell us to. And you know why they tell us things? Because they love us and they want to see us grow and they want to see us 
get bigger, and they want to see us do the right things in life. Okay? So let's go ahead and fold our hands. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for allowing these kids to listen and learn today and be obedient. Lord, it's sometimes hard to be obedient, but we always want to be obedient to you and to our parents and to others that have us do good things. Lord, help us be obedient this week and the weeks to come. In your son's name we pray, amen. Lost in our service this week at Joint Base Lewis-McChord in Washington State. Major Robert Hockman, 46, from Memphis, Tennessee. Specialist Drew Waters, 23, from Evansville, Indiana. As Jack mentioned, today is Veterans Day. This observation began as a commemoration of the armistice signed between the Allies and Germany for cessation of hostilities on the Western Front in World War I, taking effect exactly 100 years ago today, on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. That was Greenwich Mean Time, so that's been about five hours previous to where we are now. It was originally to have remained in effect for about 36 days, and subsequently it was prolonged three more times until the treaty ending World War I, known as the Treaty of Versailles, was signed on the 20th of June of 1919. It took effect then, officially ending World War I on the 10th of January of 1920. Quote, the war to end all wars, unquote, as World War I was known at the time, resulted in the deaths of between 15 and 19 million people in a short period of time, of which about 6.5 million were civilians. Just on the last day, to give you an idea of the ferocity of that particular war, on the last day, Prior to the 11th hour on that day, there were 10,944 casualties, of which 2,738 died. The last American known to have been killed in combat was Henry Gunther, 60 seconds before the guns fell silent. The 11th of November observation began as a uh, presidential proclamation and message by President Woodrow Wilson in 1919 and was made a legal holiday by Congress the 13th of May, 1938, being known then as Armistice Day. After World War II, a movement led by World War II veteran Raymond Weeks supported by veterans' organizations, to expand, quote, Armistice Day, unquote, to honor all veterans, culminated in an act of Congress as amended on the 1st of June of 1954 to replace the word armistice with the word veterans, 
by which today, the 11th of November in 19 or in 2018, is known. Thank you, Jay. Very rarely do we actually get to celebrate Veterans Day on a Sunday, um, but even more unique that it's the 100th anniversary of that original, uh, the end, the ceasefire in World War One. And so today we do want to recognize those who have served in, uh, in the armed forces. Uh, if you are able, we invite you to stand. Um, if you are a veteran or uh, or even currently serving in some capacity in the military, we invite you to stand. We'd like to recognize you and thank you for your service. This includes members of the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, um, National Guard, um, any capacity. If you are able, we invite you to stand. We'd like to recognize you today. We do thank you for your service and the many sacrifices that you have made. I'd like to take a moment and pray for you all now, as well as those who are currently serving in the military, um, and before we move on to our next our hymn. Uh, Father, we do thank you for those who have put their lives on the line for the sake of our country and for the sake of our safety. Uh, we thank you for their service. Uh, Lord, at times, um, Lord, we probably can't, for someone like myself who has not served, can't imagine what they've gone through. Uh, we thank you for their dedication. As your word says, greater love has no man than this, that one should lay down their life for another. And, and for those who are in the service, that was embodied in a very real and practical way. So we thank you for them on this Veterans Day. We thank you for all who have served this country. Uh, and, and thank you for the, the freedoms and the protections that they've guaranteed as a result of their sacrifices. And so we ask now that you would bless them and their families um, we, we also recognize the Lord, as, as Jay reminded us today, those that are still active in the military and those that are uh, in the families of those who have lost loved ones recently as a result of their service. So we ask for your comfort and your grace to be there as well. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's stand and, and join in singing together number 575, Eternal Father, Strong to Save.
men, you may be seated. Just a moment, we're going to go to the Lord again in prayer. And before I do that, I want to uh, just point uh, you to your bulletins. Um, hopefully, most of them stayed in there, but there should be a bookmark uh, in your bulletins. Uh, we had another one of our uh, guided prayer gatherings this morning. It's the second one we've done uh, since since the end of summer. Um, and we've uh, a group of us gathered over in the Heritage Room before the service praying for, um, as you can see on here, our families, our church, and our community uh, to kind of go along with the, the sermon series that we're preaching through now um, and just a, a generally good idea to pray for, for our community and the world that we live in today. So um, I encourage you to take this. Even if you weren't here with us this morning, you can see on the back the different things that we prayed for in the Scripture verses that, that we read as part of that prayer. Um, I encourage you to take this home with you. Tuck it in your Bible. Stick it in a book you're reading. Uh, put it somewhere that you're going to see it as a reminder to, to continue to pray for these things. Um, prayer is such an important thing, and, and, and it's meant for more than just Sunday morning or special prayer gatherings. It's something we're all called to do as a, as a regular part of our lives. So um, if you are so inclined, I invite you to take this with you and, and put it somewhere where you're going to see it so you can continue to be in prayer for these things. Um, and we hope to have more gatherings like that. Notice on the front it says prayer card for November through February. We're hoping to have another prayer gathering like we did this morning in February to, to and, and hopefully maybe each quarter moving forward after that. So um, if you weren't able to be with us this morning, uh, we invite you to join us next time we pray together as a church. Uh, so now let's let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are our Lord and Savior. We thank you that uh, we have the ability, we have the privilege to come to you in prayer as we did this morning and as we do now and, and as we're able to do, Lord, on our own each and every moment of the day. Uh, your word says that, that we don't have to go through a priest or a temple or, or any other sort of mediator anymore, Lord, but you have made uh, that, that curtain in the temple was torn in two to give us, each one of us, free access to your presence through your son, Jesus Christ. He is the one mediator between God and man. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to, to come to you in prayer and, and lift up our concerns and our joys to you. And so this morning, in addition to, to, to all that we've been praying for already, we do lift up our joys and concerns to you that are represented in the bulletin. Lord, there's a lot of, I know, uh, health issues and um, other concerns, Lord, that are represented there and, and things that we carry with us that maybe aren't even listed um, we ask for your provision and your healing and your care there. Uh, Lord, we also recognize that there's other needs as well, and we ask for your will to be done in those unique situations. Um, Lord, I ask that you'd give us the um, courage, Lord, to, to lay those things at the foot of your cross and to, to take up your yoke, your burden, which you say is easy and light. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that. Uh, we do pray, especially today, for our families as we continue to preach through uh, what it means to be a cross-shaped family. We ask for your guidance and Provision this morning for our parents, those that are um, that you've entrusted with children, um, and, and we pray that you would give them uh, guidance and wisdom as they raise their kids to know and love you. We pray all these things in Christ's name who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time as, as the choir sings, More Like You, Lord.
Good morning. You may be seated. Our readings this morning come from the book of Ephesians and from Proverbs. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 22.6 Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Thank you, Connie. Let's pray together again. Father, you are good, and, and you are our Father. And so we, we come to you today as we open up your word. We ask for your guidance and your wisdom as we discuss what it means to be cross-shaped parents. And so we ask that you would guide our conversations, help us to uh, see what you'd have um, for us from your word. And in all things, I pray that it would bring honor and glory to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to be continuing on our, uh, as I've just mentioned, we're going to be continuing on our conversation here about what it means to be a cross-shaped family. We've talked about family in general and, and the hardships and joys that come from being a part of a family. We talked about uh, marriages over the last couple of weeks, what it means to be a cross-shaped husband, what it means to be a cross-shaped wife. And now we're going to be, uh, over the next two weeks, talking about that parent-child relationship. Today, focusing on the parents. Next week, focusing on what it means to be a child. And I have to tell you, this is, as I was preparing the sermon this week and, and um, going about the week, I kind of realized something. In all my years as a youth pastor, I never had to prepare a message on parenting. Um, so this is kind of new to me, a new experience. You know, I've, I've talked about, talked to parents. I've talked about parents, you know, parenting kind of in general. But this is the first time I've ever uh, prepared a sermon, a message about parenting in particular. And I tell you what, that makes me feel, made me feel real old. Um, um, so, uh, um, we ask that you would, uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer for a moment. Father, we ask for your, uh, protection and guidance. Uh, we ask for, uh, healing and safety, uh, and we ask for your, um, your presence to be here in this moment. We ask this in Christ's name. All right. We'll do our best to, to continue on with our service as needed and give them the, the space they need. So I invite you to, to try to, I know best as able, uh, focus in uh, up here as, as, we, as we turn our attention to God's word today. By the way, thank you, Kay, for um, filling in for, for that moment there. As I mentioned, we are going to be speaking about cross-shaped parents. Uh, and, and Connie, the, the verses that Connie just read for you a moment ago, that Ephesians 4 passage, or Ephesians 6 passage, excuse me, we'll, we'll, we'll touch base on as well, both this week and next week. Uh, but I want to take a moment and, and look at that Proverbs 22, verse 6 passage. We are uh, often see this passage and we, we see it come up all the time in conversations about parenting and what that means to, uh, to be that parent. You know, it says start children off in the way they should go and even when they are old they will not turn from it. You know, we look at passages like this and we, we want to hold on to them as sure promises from the Lord. 
Um, we, we, we hold on to them as if a prophet were standing before us saying, thus says the Lord and, and issues that command. Uh, but, but the reality of, of Proverbs is they don't quite function in that way. And, and that's what I wanted to, um, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or anything like that, but, but that's just the reality of what Proverbs are about. This passage is not necessarily a promise. Um, Proverbs are, are observations on practical wisdom and generally speaking how the world tends to work. And so most of the time these Proverbs and other Proverbs like it are true and they seem to be the case. But oftentimes they are, um, I shouldn't say oftentimes, there are cases when, when of course our children go astray. We can be the best parents we can try to be, but our, our children may wander off. There's also the cases that it works in the opposite situations. Children who come out of very difficult home lives, come out of some of the hardest situations, um, find the Lord and, and, and are, um, and, and, and kind of rise above the, the background of their family. And so, uh, and so as we look at this passage today and we talk about what it means to be a cross-shaped parent, uh, I invite you to remember that, that though this seems like a great promise to hold on to, um, there's, it's, it's going to be, um, it's a more focus on, on how the world tends to work than necessarily a, a, an exact promise from the Lord. And the reality is, if, if we're honest with ourselves, there's no perfect parents out there. We have no perfect families. There are no perfect uh, children even. Uh, you know, we, and, and I don't say that to discourage you. I say that because I hope that you find comfort in those words. Because I know I'm not perfect as a parent. I know there are plenty of times where I've had situations with Josephine and now with Miles where it's like, one, I have no idea what to do. Uh, and two, like I, look, I reflect on situations and think, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that or I wish I would have done that better. And so... And so I want to encourage you that if you've ever felt that way, you're not alone, right? You, have, there, you, are, you are not alone at all. Um, as much as we try to project our perfection, as much as we try to, to be the perfect family and those perfect parents, uh, oftentimes that is just not the case. And so we need to, um, we need to remember that and, and take comfort in that because if we're not perfect, if nobody's perfect, then we can... It encourages us to rely on the Lord and on his strength and in his guidance. And so briefly today, this morning, I just want to touch on a few things that remind us about what it means to be a cross-shaped parent. First of all, we we parent our children towards adulthood. Uh, Children are a blessing. They're not a burden. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 3, reminds us of that reality. The psalmist says, "...unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain." Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you will rise early and stay up late, tolling for food to eat, for he gains sleep, grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. You know, often through life we've often, you know, I've been in that case before our children came along where, where children seem more like a burden than a joy. Uh, I remember as a youth pastor, I was actually just received a letter from, from a family from our previous church this week and reminded me of a joke I used to share all the time. I had actually kind of forgotten about it. Uh, as, as parents would share their frustration with kids and, and talk about things, uh, I would say, well, that's reason number 394 why we don't have kids, right? And, and like I just kept adding that to the list and over and over again. Um, and so, so they reminded me. They said, how many reasons did you actually get up to before you finally had kids yourself? Um, but the reality is that, that that's, a, that's a misconception. It's a wrong perspective to have. 
children are not a burden. They, they are a burden at times, but overall they are a blessing from the Lord. And will never be ready, even if you think you are, you're not. Children are, in fact, a gift from God. Uh, they are His, and parents are just stewards of that good gift. And so it's a comfort to remember that as much as we may love our children, as much as we care for them, and as much as we think no one else in the world could possibly love them more than, than we love them, God loves them even more. Because they are His. They are His children. Uh, and, and, and we as parents have that privilege to raise them for a short time. In one sense, the goal of parenting is to prepare them to survive without you. To be good citizens, to have good character, to treat others well, to have excellent motivation in life. Those are the things that we strive for and those are the things that we want to see in our children. And so how do you achieve those things? How do you make that sort of mindset, that sort of character, that sort of uh, personality happen in a child? You achieve it through, through discipline. Another popular parenting verse in Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14. It says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with a rod and save them from death. You know, we look at passages like this and think that discipline must in some way uh, equal punishment, right? To discipline someone is to punish them, right? Wrong. Now, while punishment may be a part of discipline, it is not discipline in its entirety. Discipline is everything that reinforces behavior. So discipline can be things like saying I love you to your child, giving them special attention, spending time with them, rewarding good decisions, etc. Those are all aspects of discipline and what it means to reinforce that behavior in your child. And the reality is that every child is different. Right? They're going to respond to different forms of discipline and different ways of, of uh, reinforcing that behavior. And so uh, what works for one kid may not work for kid number two. And what worked for kid number two may not work for kid number three. And so it's a matter of of figuring out and, and, and knowing your child to know what works best for them in order to, to reinforce that behavior you want to see in your child. Discipline, like, like authority two weeks ago and submission last week, so often gets a negative rap. But discipline is a good thing. Discipline is at the heart of discipleship. And so when we talk about what it means to discipline your children, we're really talking about what it means to disciple them, what it means to raise them up in the instruction and fear of the Lord. And that's what our, our ultimate goal is as parents. See, discipline really equals love. Discipline is encouragement. You care for them, therefore you want the best for them. No parent punishes their child simply out of spite, right? Well, most of the time, not out of spite. We discipline our children out of love, right? We want them to be better people. We want them to grow and, and develop those things in them that are going to make for a good and, and wholesome life. And so we discipline them out of love. And that's the same kind of discipline that the Lord offers to us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 through 11, it says, they, dis- they disciplined us for a little while, speaking of our earthly fathers. 
Uh, let me back up to verse 9. It says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and, res- and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be, the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. See, discipline ultimately is a good thing. It trains us up and shapes us and molds us into the people that we will become. And the reality that all people are disciplined. It's just a matter of what you're disciplining them or discipling them towards. All of our, all of our responses as parents are going to reinforce behavior. So are you going, so, so the question is what behaviors or what attitudes are you reinforcing? Are you reinforcing positive, Christ-like, God-honoring things in your children? Or are you reinforcing behaviors and attitudes that are not necessarily honoring God? So discipline, whatever form that may take, and, and I'm not saying if you're saying that, that you know, like, uh, you know, to be honest for us, Josephine knows what sitting on the step means, right? She knows that's the place where she goes for time out. But time out may not work for everybody, right? I'm not standing up here saying that you have to uh, discipline your child like we have, or what we have found works for us. I'm saying discipline just needs to be a part of that family life. It's, it's an important way to, to train your child up and, 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 and guide them towards the Lord. Another thing that's important for parents is to have a united front. Parents must be on the same page and on the same team. Uh, we tell, we remind Josephine uh, more, on, we've had to remind Josephine on more than one occasion that mommy and daddy are on the same team, right? Uh, we are going to make the same decision, and you can't, as hard as you try, you can't pit us against each other, right? Um, or as best as we are able. You know, moms and dads, they need to be on the same team. And, and the reason for that is that we need each other. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, verse 9 through 12. This is actually Allie and I's uh, scripture. We read at her wedding thinking in terms of what it meant for us and simply in terms of our marriage, but how much true, more true is it for us as we navigate what it means to be parents. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lay down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three shans is not quickly broken. See, it's important for parents and, and to extend that analogy to, to the whole family to be on the same page as, as we try to strive to raise our children. And, and not only do, do parents need to be on the same page, they need to have their priorities straight too. We've talked over the last two weeks about what it means for, for the two to become one flesh in a marriage relationship. Um, and that commitment and that covenant and that connection that is there. And, and another aspect of that has to do with parenting. You see, it, the Bible describes a husband and wife becoming one flesh, which means that the spouse should always come before the child. That relationship is 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 the primary relationship in our lives. Um, one day, and it may seem like a long ways off for some of you, but your children will move on, right? Your children. The, the goal is to prepare them for adulthood, to move out of the house, to to have their own lives, so that they will 
and if it's in God's will, have families of their own and be able to, to follow your example. Uh, but your spouse will always be there, right? So, so that is the primary relationship, and, and your spouse needs to become before your children. That happens a lot in marriages where, where that empty nest syndrome, right, hits home for, for some couples. And then they, they, they don't necessarily know how to handle each other, how to deal with themselves, because the kids are gone, and the kids had been the primary relationship and the primary um, uh, derivation of meaning in, in a couple's life. And then when they're gone, there's a struggle that ensues there. And that's why it's important for couples to keep each other first. Not only do they need to be on the same page and need to be on the same team, but they need to hold each other as, as their number one priorities in their lives. Uh, we also uh, need to remember that there's no perfect age for children. Um, you know, I'm reminded over and over again, right? You know, just wait. As they get a little older, it'll get easier, right? And then they get to be toddlers, and you think, well, once they get into school, then it'll be easier. And then, and then, well, once they get to be teenagers and they're a little bit more independent, it'll be easier, right? And some of, <laughs> and and then and then some of you, right, with that are parents of adult children, you think, well, once they're out of the house and they move on, then it's not going to be a problem, right? They just have different problems. <laughs> Different issues, different concerns, different worries. You know, you never stop being a parent. And there's no perfect age to be parenting a child. Um, I, I want to encourage you all, whatever stage of life you're in, whether it's even before children, after children, children in the home, enjoy it. Enjoy that stage of life that you're in. It's going to have, it's, it's, it's wonderful. All stages of, of parenting are wonderful and all stages of parenting can be awful. And so enjoy it and follow God's leading in it. Um, adult children, even, even in that stage, they still need loving support, encouragement, advice. Um, you never stop being a parent. It's just what that looks like changes over time. What it means to be a parent of an infant or a toddler or a teenager or an adult looks different. But you're still a parent and there's still joys and concerns and worries that come along with that. Uh, and so with the, with the time we have left, I want to encourage us. We, we, we parent our children towards adulthood. We want them to grow and, and become good, productive citizens, right? Uh, but that's not the end goal. That's a very short-term goal. Uh, that, while that is good, we also need to keep in mind that we're parenting our children towards eternity. We want them to be have good lives for the next 75, 80 years if they have that. But we also want them to have eternal life. And be with the Lord forever. And so part of parenting is not just preparing them to be good people, but preparing them to be Christ followers. You know, if you think about it, that's simply an extension. It's a fulfillment of the vows that, that we as parents make at, their, at your child's baptism or dedication, whichever path you choose. You see, the moment is, is the, the, the baby tends to get all the attention, right? But the focus really is on the parents. It's about the commitment that that parent is making to raise their child in the Lord. It's a commitment on the parents to, to instruct their child to, to grow and to know and love the Lord to the best of their ability. And so parenting involves that aspect too. We need to train, we need to raise our children up in the faith. You know, our churches. Our church here is, is, is called to assist and be a part of that process, but really that discipleship will take place in the home. And what happens at the church is, is meant to come alongside and reinforce and equip you as families to, to be the primary discipling agents uh, for your children. 
And really it's all about living out Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Unfortunately, we don't have the, the time to, to look at that passage in detail this morning. Uh, but it's a very familiar passage. I've referenced it a lot recently. And it's about, about loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then passing that knowledge on to your children. And there's certain things that I want you to, to get out of that passage. I encourage you to read it on your own. Um, and as parents, there's some instructions for us there about how to parent our children towards eternity. First, it's about loving the Lord yourself. You need to have a heart after the Lord. You need to have that relationship. You need to want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength first. You can't pass on to your kids what you don't have yourself. And so you need to, to invest in that relationship on your own so that your children see it and, and can be a part of that. You need to teach them God's word. Scripture needs to be a regular part of what it means, of, of, of your family time. And that, that happens at church and Sunday school and youth group, and that's all good and wonderful things, but it needs to be a part of your home life as well. You need to model what living faithfully for Christ looks like. You need to model what being a discipleship looks like. So as they grow, they can see it and they can know what it looks like from following your example. Just the other day, uh, Josephine has been, uh, we always, you know, pray together at, at bedtime and, and lately she's been praying for the soldiers. Her and Allie were at a craft show a few weekends ago and one of the booths had these little, you know, green army men and they, and they said, you can take one, but if you take it, please remember to pray for our soldiers. And, you know, that's such an awesome thing to do. And so it's in her little nightstand and she likes to pull it out and set it on the nightstand next to her bed and, and, and when we pray, you know, we usually sit on the bed. I'll sit on the, you know, Allie and I will sit on the bed and she'll be sitting there, but, Ever since that soldier arrived, she started kneeling next to the bed. I'm like, that's kind of cool, you know. She's wanting to kneel by the side of the bed and pray. How wonderful is that? I'm like, man, Allie and I are really nailing this parenting thing, right? We're like raising our kid to do this. And then something hit me the other night, just this week, right? She, she kneels down, and so, but she starts to like kind of spread her legs a little bit more, and she sticks her hand up in the air. And I said, what are you doing, Josephine? She goes, am I doing it right I said, I can't figure out. She goes, do I look like the soldier? Am I doing it right? I look over and the soldier was kneeling down on one knee with his hand in the air and some sort of like bazooka or rifle in his other hand. She wasn't kneeling for prayer. She was kneeling because she wanted to look like the soldier. Um, so I, I realized maybe, you know, there's still things that we have to learn. Uh, but I just thought that was so, so cool to see her, you know, modeling that. You know, um, she wanted to be like that soldier. She wanted to look like that um, our parents are, our, our children are watching us, right? Whether they're young, teenagers, or old, they're, they're, they're watching their parents and they're, they're learning from them and modeling from them what it means to follow the Lord. Uh, and finally, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's all about incorporating your faith into your everyday life. It's about um, making it practical and real. It talks about writing scripture on the doorposts of your house. Um, binding them as symbols on your hands and on your foreheads. And, and I've shared with you before about how I believe that, that those are references uh, to making a, um, uh, putting reminders in your everyday life about what it means to follow the Lord and to encourage you along the way. And so it's good to do that. Set up reminders in your home and your children's lives. That doesn't necessarily mean physical things, but reminders and the, the everyday rhythm and, and, um, uh, everyday rhythm of your life, um, and, and reminding you as a family to pause and look to the Lord. And so we parent our children towards adulthood. We parent them towards eternity. Um, but there's also the reality as, as the family of God that, that we oftentimes parent spiritual children as well. Within the family of God, we will have opportunities to, quote, parent our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
You know, look at the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. He was often described himself as, as a father in the faith to Timothy and others. Even in Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 and through 20, Paul uh, compares himself to a woman in labor giving birth to the people of that church, right? Uh, you know, he, he often described his role as pastor, his role as missionary, as a, as a parent lovingly caring for and providing for his children. And so in many ways, even for those of us who don't have children, maybe our children are, maybe, maybe children have not been a part of your life yet. Maybe, maybe your children are gone and out of the house and not an everyday part of your life or somewhere in between. Um, as the family of God, we have opportunities to parent, to still parent and live out those responsibilities within the family of God. We can parent each other towards the faith. You see, God saves, he transforms, he redeems. He is the one who does that, but he often works through particular people to bring that about in a person's life. And so we have opportunities to be that for someone else, uh, to be that spiritual parent, or even to have to look towards someone as a spiritual parent. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Who is, I want you to think, who has been a spiritual parent for you? I encourage you to reach out to them. And thank them. They may not even realize it. They may not even be aware of the impact they've had on your life. And what a blessing to acknowledge that and thank them for the role they've had. And the other half of that question is, is who can be a spiritual, who can you be a spiritual parent to? God wants to use you to make an impact in someone else's life. We finished up our sermon series on discipleship, right? We talked about the importance of discipling others. Another way to put that is, is how can you be a spiritual parent? How can you pass on what God has done in your life? to someone else in a, in a loving and kind way to, to build them up in the Lord. We've looked a lot at Proverbs uh, uh, today, a lot of practical wisdom, and I want to remind you with one, of one other in closing. Proverbs 22.17 says, iron, uh, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, that's what we're talking about here. That, that's true for, for parents and their children, but it's also true within the body of Christ. We can encourage and build one another up in the Lord and and I want you to, uh, to think about that and how you can be a part of that as well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, um, that it is a firm foundation for us. And Lord, even, um, even on mornings like this morning, uh, thank you for the opportunity to pause and, and reflect on it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, let's stand and sing the first verse of 275, How Firm a Foundation. Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.